0: You are listening to the weekly podcast of City Church Orlando, located just off of 1792 at 650 Airport Boulevard in Sanford, Florida. Our website, orlandocitychurch.org. Today, Lead Pastor Eugene Smith will continue with our series called The Miracles of Jesus. Do you really want to be healed? Most people today want relief from the circumstances or problems, but don't necessarily want to change their ways. But the thing to remember is that God is bigger than all your circumstances or problems. Our scripture text comes from John chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Today's message is entitled, A Full Side Miracle, Part 1.
1: You know what I've discovered in my life, I've discovered in my life so many times, we think that problems like that, if we just twinkle our nose, or we have a magic potion, or we just do something like to buy God's favor, that somehow magic is going to happen in our life. And I want you to know today that God that we serve is not a God of magic. He's the God of the miraculous. He's the God of the supernatural. And we're going to look at Jesus and one of the great miracles. Jesus performed that we have recorded. He performed 39 miracles, but he performed many more than that, but 39 that have been recorded in the Bible for us today. And we're going to look at one of the great miracles that have been recorded. It's found in John chapter 5, John chapter 5, and we're going to begin with verse number 1. John chapter 5, beginning with verse number 1. And the Bible says, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades here a great number of disabled people used to lie the blind the lame and the paralyzed one who was there had been invalid for 38 years now how many of you this morning are reading a king james or a new king james version of the bible Okay, so a number of you are reading that. There is a verse that's in your text that's not found in the New International Translation. Now, I'm not going to spend time talking about Greek text and why this verse is in some text and not the other. I just say that there is something that happened here. There was something that happened here, and although this text, this particular verse, verse number four, isn't found until 400 years after the scriptures were written, something was taking place at this pool. There was a reason that all these people were gathered together. Now let's read down in verse number five. and The, the Bible says, One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in the condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Everyone say with me, do you want to get well? Come on, say it again. Do you want to get well? The King James says, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be made whole? Well, verse number seven, "'Sir,' the invalid replied, "'I have no one to help me into the pool "'when the water is stirred. "'While I'm trying to get in, "'someone else goes down ahead of me.' "'Then Jesus said to him, "'Get up, pick up your mat and walk.' "'And at once the man was cured. "'He picked up his mat and walked. "'And the day on which this took place Was the Sabbath. Let us pray. Father, in these next few moments, by the power of your Spirit, I pray that every heart will be open to hear and to receive from you. Father, I thank you this morning that your grace is in this place. I thank you that your kindness is here, for you are a God who delights in doing good for your people. Father, I thank you that these are not my words, but these are the words of life. Father, that you spoke through eternity to touch and to change the hearts of people and to work supernaturally on their behalf. I thank you that you are a God who responds to the faith and the action of your people. And I pray that we at City Church would not just be hearers today, but would become doers of your word. I ask this now, Jesus, in your mighty and your wonderful name. Amen. You know, miracles are a fascinating topic in the Bible, and you can read from Genesis to Revelation, and you will see that miracles took place in the lives of people who believed. Now, there are shows on television about miracles, and there's lots and lots of television today about supernatural activity. Aliens, and space, and ghosts, and all these kinds of things. And, and the reason that there is is because there's in the heart of every person a desire for some kind of encounter with something supernatural. Now, there's a small group of people that say that they They don't believe in anything. But the reality is there are many things in this life that we can't explain. And when Jesus walked on the face of the earth, one of the things that demonstrated, one of the things that demonstrated that Jesus truly was who he was, is that he worked supernatural miracles. As a matter of fact, we see in the Bible, we see that Jesus had power over sickness. It is so evident over sickness and disease. Jesus would speak to sickness. Jesus would command sickness to come out. Jesus would lay hands on people, and they were cured. They were healed. They were delivered. Not only did Jesus have authority and power over sickness, but he also had authority and power over Satan people who were bound up, people who had addictions, people who had self-destructive habits. Many times Jesus would look to them and he would look beyond the natural man and he would look into their spirit and he would command that evil spirit that held them captive to be let go. There's a man That's in prison right now. He was a serial killer in Ohio. It's been all over the news for the last couple weeks. They interviewed this last week. One of the women that escaped his torturous, murderous plots. And she said, when he was strangling me, I looked into his eyes and all I could see was the devil. She said, that's all I could see. He was possessed by something. There's a real live devil. Why do people do such horrific things? Why do people do such horrific things to themselves? Well, there's a live enemy, a spiritual enemy called Satan. And his desire is to destroy your life. But Jesus came to give life, not to destroy life. So Jesus, who is the author of life, has given power, not just did he have power, but he's given power to his believers and followers to deal and to handle devils and Satan in their life. Jesus also clearly had power over sin. He clearly had power over sin. He would tell people that their sins are forgiven. When Jesus went to the cross, the whole purpose of the cross, the whole message of the cross is that the power of sin would be broken once and for all off your life. The reality today is that Jesus not only had power over sickness, over Satan, over sin, Jesus had all power. He had power over nature. You remember the story when Jesus was walking on the water, and he calls to Peter, and he says, come out. Peter came out, and he walked on the water with Jesus. Jesus was walking on water. Amazing thing is that Peter actually had enough guts to get out of the boat and try to do it too. Jesus, in the midst of a storm, he was asleep, and the disciples were afraid. The Bible says that they went, and they woke Jesus up, and they said, Jesus, don't you aren't you concerned that we're going to die? And the Bible says that Jesus stood up, and he spoke, Peace, be still, and instantly the storm calmed. You see, he had all power. He had all authority. But the awesome thing is that that authority and that power didn't stop there. You see, Jesus came to give power and authority to those who would follow him. Now, just a few facts about this story. A few facts about what's happening here in, this, in the ministry, in the story around Jesus' life. First thing I want you to see in verse 1 is that Jesus was on his way to a feast. Everyone say feast. This feast was the Passover feast. There were three feasts that every Jewish male would observe that lived within 20 miles of Jerusalem. There were these, th- these three feasts feast that they would try to attend if they were able to. And the first feast was Passover. And at Passover, they were celebrating. They were memorializing. They were remembering what God had done when he brought them out of Egypt and into the promised land. And the Passover lamb that was slain whenever Moses brought the people out was a remembrance of what God had done. He was their deliverer. He was their provider. And so for thousands of years, this was a tradition. In our culture today, we have celebrations. We celebrate Thanksgiving, right? We got Thanksgiving coming up in just a little over a week. We have Christmas. What's the other big celebration we do in America? We do Easter. Oh, we, got, we got New Year's, we got your birthday, we got some other celebrations. We got Super Bowl, which is almost as big of a celebration today. We have other celebrations, but these are really the three big celebrations that we recognize in our culture. And men have always had celebrations, so Jesus was a person of celebration. Jesus was a religious person, but he didn't do religious things. Jesus was involved in activities that were religious, but he was not a religious person. He was a spiritual person. There is a huge difference. There is a huge difference between being religious and being spiritual. Charles Spurgeon says it like this. He says, men love their religion because they can hold on to their secret sins. In other words, you can sing, you can have all kinds of religious activity in your life, but you can still be all goofed up inside. You can still be full of darkness, you can still be full of hate, you can still be full of lust, you can still be full of anger, you can still be full of all kinds of things. And the Bible says that Jesus, he came to celebrate this deliverance and this Passover. The next thing that we see is that Jesus was concerned about the needs of the sick and the powerless. In verse number 6, the Bible says that Jesus saw. He saw this man. What's fascinating to me is that he saw all the people, but he literally zeroed in on one person. You see, Jesus sees you today see the fact is you've come to this place, you've experienced the presence of God in worship, you've worshiped God and you're giving. Now you're listening to a message of hope and a message of encouragement and Jesus right knows he knows exactly where you're at. He knows the problem that you brought into this building. He knows every single detail of your life. He really does care. Look at this text in Matthew chapter 6, or Mark chapter 6, verse number 34 and the Bible says that when Jesus when he came out He saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Jesus was motivated by compassion to meet needs of people who had big problems. It's what drove him. It's what what motivates believers to serve other people who have great needs, not only here but around the world. It's based out of compassion, the compassion of Christ. It's why Christians all over the world have built hospitals and hospitals, hospices, and treat AIDS patients. A couple of months ago, we had missionaries to Africa who, who specifically in the country of Namibia and one of the neighboring countries next to them, they go and they teach uh, uh, AIDS prevention. And they specifically go in and tell people and they teach them and they show them and, and they teach the gospel to them and they preach them about life and freedom and, and how not to contract AIDS. Because the, the missionary was telling me, she said in her country, one third of the population, over 35% of the population is infected with HIV. It's a huge problem. And she said if we don't do something about this in the next 10 years, she said one half of our population is going to die. It's a real deal. What motivates that? It's compassion, because God is moved by the suffering of human beings. God is moved by it. He's moved by it, and Jesus was moved by it. next thing I want you to see is that Jesus challenged traditions and paralyzing mindsets. Jesus challenged traditions and paralyzing mindsets you see this guy had been sick for a long time 38 years but he wasn't the only one that had wrong mindsets about change in his life there were many religious people who had a lot of wrong mindsets about what god wanted to do in their life and they were so bound up by the religious tradition that they couldn't do what god wanted to do they wouldn't even do it they wouldn't even reach out to help a person in need they wouldn't change their lifestyle to live a different kind of life to help other people As a matter of fact, one point, Jesus in his ministry goes to the temple, and he's going to this place of worship, and there at the temple, he sees people just hanging around, shooting the bull, talking about business, latest sports activity, all these kinds of activities, but they weren't praying. You know what amazes me about the American church is that we do everything in the church but pray. I mean, we'll have we'll give away boxes next week, and we'll have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. I don't know how many people we had last year, but we had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people come for the food boxes. And we preached, and this place was full. All the services that we did, it's amazing. It's amazing. We'll have a great big party here at City Church. And meet people will come out of the woodworks. But we call people to pray, and we have 20 people show up. Now, we're fortunate at City Church, we are a church of prayer, and we have 30 or 40 people that every Saturday night we pray for one hour, and we call on God, and it's a powerful prayer time. But it is amazing to me that churches in America will do everything but pray. And we wonder why blinded eyes aren't open. We wonder why sick people don't get healed. We wonder why people stay stuck in their addictions and their problems for years and years and years. And we wonder why the church is limited in its growth. A friend of mine who is friends with uh, some brothers and sisters that are in China told me, he said when he was in China, he said this house church that they were in has exploded in growth and literally a house church has multiplied to the place where they have thousands of people. Out of one little house church, thousands of people gathered together in homes around the city. And he said, he was talking to this pastor, and he said, well, what kind of programs do you do? What do you guys do to reach these people? And he says, well, we don't really have a lot of stuff to do. He says, we're really not at liberty to have programs and do those kinds of things to reach people. He says, but we pray really hard. We pray, we meet together in groups, and we read the Bible, and we begin to pray for God to transform and to change the hearts of people that live in the country of China. Today, in the world, the fastest growing church, the greatest impact that the church of Jesus Christ is having in the world is in China. Why is that? Because people prayed. Jesus loved to challenge religious tradition. And let me tell you, I've grown up in the church. I've been around it all my life. And sometimes people of our tradition, sometimes people that believe in the gifts of the Spirit, sometimes people that believe in miracles and do these kinds of things, many times we become the most religious we become the most bound because we're looking for a certain style. We're looking to feel it. We're looking to all these rather all these things, external things, rather than living the life of faith. You see, the life of faith is completely different than the life of feelings. And so many times in our dynamic, in our circumstance, we're led by our feelings and not by our faith. You see, faith will always line up with the facts of God's word so people can shout, they can jump, and they can leave this place exactly the same that they came. No transformation, no change. And Jesus challenged that. Jesus challenged that paralyzing mindsets and wrong way of thinking. You see, Jesus, the kind of person that he was, was a person who was concerned about the needs of other people. You have right there in your notes, it's one of my favorite verses. In Acts chapter 10, verse 36, the Bible says, You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling them good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Everyone say anointed. Oh, come on. Everyone say anointed. Now, this is an amazing thing, because in Old Testament times, there were only three people who would be anointed. Now, there were a few times that God moved on other people, but there were three people that received an anointing of God. It was an anointing that would come upon them, and it was an anointing that would leave. The anointing would come upon the prophet. Everyone say prophet. All throughout the Old Testament, we have men who foretold and forth told God's Word. They spoke. Holy men of old spoke as the Spirit of God came upon them, and people were moved. Many times, let me tell you, when the prophets spoke, they almost were always rejected by the people, because they called people back to truth. They called people out of the religion, and into a life of relationship with God, over, and over, and over. Jesus said, listen, you didn't believe the prophets, you won't believe me. You stoned the prophets, you will kill me. When a man stands up and say, there is a way." that we are to walk. There is a way that we are to live. There is a way that we are to serve God. There is a way that seems right to a man, but that way leads to death. But there is a way that God has called us to live and to be and to act. When people start doing that, they're called hellfire preachers. They're called all kinds of things, but the reality is is that God had a prophetic voice in every generation, people who would speak the truth. And prophets, the Spirit of God would come upon them. But let me tell you, let me tell you, there was a very few handful of prophets all throughout the Bible. As a matter of fact, it was a 400 year period where there was no prophets in the land. The second one was priest. Everyone say priest priests were anointed of God. They were called specifically by the Lord. They came from Aaron's lineage. They were the tribe of the Levites. They were called to minister in the house of God. And the anointing of God would come upon the high priest. And you can read about that in the Bible. But but the, the Spirit of God would descend upon people for a certain function, and office. Everyone say king. Then the Spirit of God would come upon the king. And you read about the story of the kings and some of the great exploits that a few of them did. And it was because God's spirit was upon them. I love what David, David, the Bible says, is a man after God's own heart. He understood the anointing and the presence and the spirit of God. But see, in the Old Testament times, it was just on a few. I want you to know today, in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, when the, cross, when the cross was hung on Calvary, and Jesus died and breathed his last breath and went into the grave and rose from the dead, I want you to know from that day forward, when God poured out his Spirit, the Bible says that the anointing, the presence of God, came upon those who would believe. And so every person in this room who's a follower of God, every person who knows God, has a relationship with God, has God living and dwelling right inside of here. You don't have to run down to some local place and get an anointing. The anointing is with you. The anointing is in you. Now there are times that God comes and fills us in fresh ways, but I want you to know today that the Spirit of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. That's powerful. Give the Lord a great big hand clap this morning. Jesus loved to do good. He went around healing all who were under the power of the devil. All who were under the power of the devil. But this man had a continuing crisis in his life. There was a crisis in this man's life. There was a crisis. There was an adversity. There was a problem. There was a circumstance. And let me tell you, it wasn't just like, you know, like he lost a job today. It it wasn't a a problem or a crisis like, you know, all of a sudden he got into a car accident today. No, no, no. This was a problem that he had had for a long period of time. As a matter of fact, he had it for over 38 years. 38 years. Long-term problems. Now, some people in this room, you're only 15 or 20 or 25, and for you, a long-term problem might be four or five years. For a guy like me, I'm 46. I've had some long-term problems. I've had some things in my life that continually want to come back and harass me. I've had some things in my life that just seem to be challenges and obstacles that are just kind of presenting themselves over and over and over in my life. This guy had a 38-year problem. This didn't just happen overnight. This was something we don't know if he was born with. We don't know how it happened, but this guy's problem was a long-term problem. And you know what I know about long-term problems? Long-term problems in our life, we just kind of put them out of our life. We, we tend to just want to cope. We just want to exist. We're just going to exist. You know, we just we know we got the problem, but we'll deal with it later. You know, or you know, my mother was this way, or my dad is. It's a hereditary issue, and you know, I'm always going to be like this, and we just put up with it. We just tolerate it. But let me tell you, Jesus wasn't about to tolerate this problem in this guy's life. And see, Jesus was so concerned about this individual, he was willing to challenge him right where he lived. This is one of the few times in the Bible that Jesus actually healed somebody that didn't even ask. This guy didn't even ask for Jesus to heal him. But Jesus saw the condition of this man and focused on this individual. And then he asked him this ridiculous, crazy question. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be healed? Do you want your financial situation to change? Do you want your diet? Do you want your weight loss to change? I mean, you can start going down the list of things in your life that you fought continually over and over and over and over. And I want you to know today that God says, I have a solution for you. God says, I have an answer to your problem." You see, Jesus had an answer for this man's problem. But he wanted to know, first of all, do you really want to change? Now, the answer would seem obvious. But the reality is when we keep things or we don't deal with things or we allow things to stay in our life for a long period of time, we just tend to excuse them. We just kind of, you know, you know, it's just going to be okay. I mean, I'll, you know, we just kind of exist around it and I can't change that and we don't worry about it. But it's always gnawing at us. It's always making us feel down. So many Christians feel the condemnation of the enemy because they fail God over and over and they feel so worthless and they feel like, you know, I just can't please and I can't do it right. and It's because the enemy of their soul has tricked them into believing that their situation can't change. Their circumstances can't change. Now I had a... I've shared this a couple of times but it's so apropos to this situation where Jesus encountered this man. But I had a long-term skin condition. And... I've had it for many, many years. I've had it for, I was thinking, I was trying to think of it. I've had it for like 24 years, the skin condition for at least 24 years. And... Uh and so I just kind of existed with it. And I went to the doctor when I was younger a few times. And they gave me these medicines. And they wanted me to wrap my legs and sar- put the medicine on and then wrap my legs in saran wrap. And, I mean, it was just a mess. And the, the stuff was greasy. And it smelled. And it stunk. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. And, then, and I finally, after about 20 years, just within about six or seven, about seven months ago, eight months ago, it was getting really bad. It was growing up both sides of my legs, both sides of my legs, on my elbows, on my back. And they call it psoriasis. And it was really, I mean, it was to the point where my legs were bleeding all the time. And I was embarrassed. I couldn't wear shorts. I was embarrassed to wear shorts out in public. And, and so I finally said, you know, this is stupid. I'm going to do something about this. And so I, I said, well, I'll go to the doctor. You know, and I prayed, and, and nothing seemed to happen. I prayed, and nothing. Anybody here pray before, nothing seemed to happen in your life. Well, God had a solution for me. It was a really simple solution. Go to the doctor. Jesus said, the sick need a physician. And so I said, okay, well, I guess I should go to the doctor. And I go to the doctor, and the doctor says, well, you know, you can give me all these creams. I mean, they were expensive. Matter of fact, he gave me, he wanted me to take these pills. They were like, I want to say like $80 a pill or something. Like 80 bucks a pill. I'm like, no way, dude, I'm not doing that. And so, but if you want to get rid of this, you got to do this and all this. And and I said, you know, it's got to be another way. He said, well, if you could just get out in the sun three or four times a week and He said, you can just kind of lay out there. I said, me lay down three or four times a week in the sun, that ain't going to happen. I'm like, that ain't going to happen. He said, well, maybe you can go to one of these fake and bakes, you know, one of those tanning booths. You can go to one of these fake and bakes. And he said, some of them are medically approved. So I said, all right, you know, I'm not a big fake. I've never been to a fake and bake booth, but... And so I said, all right, I go, I'll give it a try. So I go to this fake and fake booth here in Lake Marion. Now I don't want anybody to see me. The other day I saw somebody from the church pulling in. And I'm thinking, I'm going for a medical treatment, you know. I'm going for a medical treatment. But I pull in there. I did this about five times. I did it about five times. And uh, I'm going to show you my beautiful legs now. They're totally healed. Come on. Get, they're totally healed. And I'm a, I'm a real white boy, and so that's about as dark as I am. I told my wife, I said, man, I said, I've been faked and baked more than I ever could even imagine. I never even thought I would do that, you know. And that's as dark as I'm going to get. I got no pigment in my skin. But the Lord challenged me. The Lord challenged this man. Do you want to be healed? Do you have a problem in your life? Do you have every person here has a problem? You have a financial problem. You have a relationship problem. Do you want your marriage to be restored? Do you want your children to serve God? I mean, I don't care what it is today. All of us, because it's the way that our human life works. We live in a fallen world. We have a problem. But for every problem, there's a possibility and the potential for a supernatural answer from God. And sometimes that answer doesn't make sense to us. You see, the natural mind, the natural man can't understand the things of the Spirit. We just can't get it. We can't understand it. We, the natural man says, "I don't. that doesn't make sense. How can you tithe and believe that when you give 10% to the church that that tithe somehow, I'm going to have m- enough money to pay my bills. Doesn't make sense. I can't understand how that's going to work. I already have more month than money right now. How is it going to work? But the spiritual man understands that when you put God first and you seek first His kingdom, all these other things will be added unto you you see, the spiritual man understands that. The spiritual man understands that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And what you put in will determine the kind of health that you will have in your life. It's a fact. It's a fact. Nutrition and diet, all these things, All you will see this in the Bible. You will see, we live in a culture today, we have all these kind of additives and all this kind of junk shoved into our food and many of us live on that. Anybody ever see that movie, Supersize Super Size, I Me? Mean, you see that guy that ate McDonald's for like three months or something, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and he was about ready to die after the three months. I mean, he was so physically emaciated. Didn't have the vitamins, didn't have the nutrients. God has an answer. God has a solution. Sometimes it's so practical because God is a practical kind of God. When faith meets fact, then transformation will take place in your life. Jesus asked this man, do you want to be made well? Do you want to change? Do you want to change your financial picture? I met with a couple of the young guys in our church, and I said, guys, if you put $100 in the bank, and don't quote me on the exact number, but you put $100 in a mutual fund. And you do it for 25 years. At your age, you're 20 years old or 22 years old. You do it for 25 years. I said you'll be a millionaire in 25 years if that thing earns any kind of interest. I mean, if it you just put it in some kind of market fund and that thing earns interest, you'll be a millionaire. I said, think about it. But think about the discipline that it takes to do that. Think about the challenge because there's always opportunities for us to buy and to spend. It's a real challenge. It's a real challenge. But you can do it. We're taking the Dave Ramsey course right now. and Dave Ramsey's talking about you know, cutting up your credit cards and living within your means and acting your wage and all these things. And let me tell you, the moment you start to try to do these kind of things, something will come up. Something. You'll need this. You'll need that. You'll, there's always opportunity for people to separate you from your money. Someone said amen. But Jesus has got a solution. Jesus has got an answer. Jesus has an answer for every problem that you have in your life. Two, you want to be made well? Now look at verse 7. Look what he says in here. Look at this lame excuse. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me. I'm all by myself. I can't do it. I tried it and it didn't work. I did that. I, I'm, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. It's my mommy's fault. She didn't give me that bottle when I was in the crib when I was three years old, and now I'm damaged for life. I mean, whatever the issue is, it's always we want to blame someone else. It's not my fault. It's totally our culture. Whatever your addiction, whatever your problem, whatever your challenge, just because this happened and that happened, and the reality is, is you know what? You got to take responsibility for your own life. Jesus said, "Do you want to be made well?" This is a very interesting story because, really, this puts some fire on your faith. You see, this really comes down where the rubber meets the road. God is asking you to change. But you're not going to change in your own power. You're not going to change in your own strength. I want you to see what happens in this man's life. In verse number 8 and verse number 9, we see that this man, that God, by his power, Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat at once the man was cured. You see, the man was cured by the presence and the power of God. You see, it's God that works within you to change your life. If you just try to change your life without the power of God, without the grace of God, without the strength of God, you're just trying to follow a self-help program. You're trying to follow Tony Robbins or Anthony Robbins or Dr. Phil or, or Pastor Oprah. You're just trying to follow someone else. You're trying to follow someone else's way of life. But there is a way. It's Jesus' way. It's the straight way. It's the narrow way. Because the God that you serve is a big God. Someone said amen. Oh, come on. Amen. Most of us, we just got to get a bigger God. Most of us is that we have problems that we see are too big and a God who is too small. Problem is too big. Oh, I tried it. I did it. I can't. Don't work. God's saying, Change the way that you think about me. Change your understanding of who who I am. See me the way that I am. I am the God who spoke the heavens and the earth into existence. I am the God who created you and fashioned you and made you. I am the God that the Bible says I hold the oceans in the palm of my hand. I am the God who flung the stars into space. I am the God who created you and made you and destined you to rule and to reign forever. Believe in me. Don't believe in your problem. Look to me. I'm your source. I'm your strength someone said amen give the Lord a great big hand clap in the house you see this morning God's bigger than all your problems he's bigger than all your problems and in this instance here the miraculous was preceded by a man's willingness to obey he was willing to obey you know if you just continue to read on in this story just a couple of more verses you'll find that this guy goes right back to his old way of life. He goes right back to the way that he used to live. Jesus does a miracle. Jesus heals him. Jesus saved him. Jesus delivered him. Jesus got him out of hot water again. Jesus provided for his finances. Jesus did all these things. And then within days, he's right back doing what he used to do. You come to the altar, and you get a hold of God in your prayer time. You do all these things, and, and God rescues you. God delivers you. And the natural tendency of man is to go back to the old way of living. It's our natural course. You see, we have to be intentional. We have to make a choice. But the power of choice is within you. Because the God that we serve, His Spirit is with you. You're not powerless. You're not helpless. You can change the way that you live. You can. But it's not by your might. It's not by your power. But it's by His Spirit, says the Lord. You see, God says to him, look what God says in verse 8. The Lord says to him, get up. Get up. Get up. See, that took faith. The moment that Jesus said to him, get up, that man had to believe. God says, get up. Look to me. I'm your source. Get up out of your circumstance. Get up. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Get up. Get up. Stop blaming other people for your problems. Get up. You see, you got to have a mind shift change. That mind that you've had has been paralyzing the way that you're living, the way that you're thinking is all wrong about your family, about your finances, about your future. You're thinking, I don't have a hope, and I don't know what's happening. and It's terrible. And God's saying, get up. Stop it. Stop it. Pick up your mat. Do you get this? Pick up your mat. You see, if he would have left his mat back down there, you know what he would have done, Doug? Instead of going to the temple, he would have went running right back to that mat and laid down by the pool. Because he was familiar with that. Jesus said, pick up your mat. Pick up your mat. Don't go back. Change your behavior. Cut off, I mean, figure out how you need to change your diet. Manage your money different. I don't care what the problem. If it's an addiction issue, change the kind of programs that you watch. You know, throw out your television. Cut off your, your cell phone. I mean, whatever it is, whatever God is asking you to do, get up. And pick up your mat. See, God wants you to change today. The future, the destiny that God has for every person in this room is good. This was a supernatural intervention of God in this man's life. It was a miracle. Because a man who was lame for 38 years, he got up. And the Bible says that he walked. He walked. It was impossible. You see, the things of your life that are impossible will become possible if you believe. One of my favorite scriptures, I think I have it there in the very end, is Genesis chapter twenty-eight. When God spoke of Abraham, he said, In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you've obeyed my voice. Are you willing to obey God? Are you willing to do what God has asked you to do? You see, it doesn't do any good to ask for God to rescue you. It doesn't do any good. It doesn't do any good. You can ask God to rescue you, but if you don't make a commitment and a decision to pick up your mat and walk and follow his ways, you'll go right back to it. See, there's personal responsibility. I, I, I generally preach this message on faith, and, it's, and it is all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus. But like James says, James says, you show me your faith and I will show you my faith by my works so as the responsibility that we have as humans. We're not helpless. We're not powerless. The same God that was with Noah in the beginning when God told him to build an ark, Noah built an ark and therefore he was delivered. The same God that came to Moses and said, I want you to lead the children of Israel into a different place out of captivity. I want you to take them into a place called the promised land. The same God that spoke to Moses is the same God that allowed Moses to be delivered from the hand of a cruel taskmaster by the name of Pharaoh. The same God The same God all throughout scriptures is the God that provided and met the needs of his people. But he always said, come. When Peter was in a boat and Jesus was walking out to him, Jesus said, come. Jesus this morning is saying to you, come. Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There is a God in the house, and his name is Jesus. And he's bigger than all your problems. Give the Lord a great big hand clap this morning. What's your handicap? What's your handicap today? You know, in golf, there's a handicap. And we like handicaps in golf. Makes us better. But what's your handicap? Handicaps in your life don't make you better. But handicaps in your life show how great your God is. What is your problem? What is the problem that you've had in your life that's been ongoing, and today you just want to deal with it? You don't want to leave. Listen, guys, what good does it do to come to a church service and just leave here not responding and doing things like you've always done? no good. We become hearers of the Word and not doers. And that's what, that's what allows our heart to get hard. And our heart gets, our hearts get hard because we've seen so many things. But God is saying to you, do you believe? All things are possible to them that believe. Do you suffer today from a small God and a big problem complex? What is God telling you to do? What is God challenging you to do today? I want you to bow your heads.
0: Thanks for listening to this message, A Pullside Miracle, Part 1, with Lead Pastor Eugene Smith. For service times and more information about City Church Orlando, please visit our website anytime at orlandocitychurch.org or call 407-321-9600.